Today's guest on the show is Dan Flynn. Dan is the Chief Revenue Officer for Barnum Financial Group. He is constantly looking for opportunities to expand relationships and align Barnum's resources to drive growth. We're going to talk today with Dan about his career in the industry, his experience working with advisors, and what he has learned from those relationships. I'm Paul Blanco, and this is Small Steps, Big Wins. Dan Flynn, welcome to the show, bud. I'm so happy to have you here in the flesh in Shelton, Connecticut. So nice to have you. Yeah, thank you, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, certainly been a joy this last almost year now being part of Barnum. It's just been amazing. So really grateful. Well, thank you. And I'm glad I I probably chased you around for a little while. But uh, let's talk about that, though. I remember meeting you when you're a young man coming into the financial service business. 20 plus years ago. And uh, if I remember correctly, you started out on the bro- a boutique broker dealer, and then you came on at MetLife to work on the broker dealer side. And uh, how did you find the financial service industry? Yeah, it's, it's uh, interesting. It's great reflecting on this. Number one, um, my father was an insurance agent. So I was kind of exposed in that world. Um, I was always good and interested in numbers and kind of business and, and things like that. So, but I swore up and down, I would never go in the insurance space. So I of course had to be a stockbroker and get into the investment world. So that's the path I went down. And it was just so ironic how I ended up and we worked together at MetLife as they were building out the investment business. And it really just gave me a whole different view of the industry, uh, what advisors do to help clients, uh, certainly that intro to holistic planning of knowing the investment space and then joining an insurance based firm, you know, it was just a really great experience to get to learn the investment business, being at a wirehouse and independent BD, but then really coming in and getting that holistic view was just a, a great experience for me. Now, back up for one second. Were you a broker? No. Oh, okay. When you said that, well, I was like, I didn't even know that about you. Well, it's kind of an interesting story because I that was my path. And for, you know, many of your listeners would have seen different movies that might have depicted <laughs> firms that uh, would look for college students that were ambitious yes. uh, and l- l- wanted to make a ton of money. So I was, uh, too. I was heading down that path. And fortunately, as I was studying, getting my Series 7, I was reading the Wall Street Journal, of course, and this firm to be nameless is um, coming up in the news quite a bit. And I'm like, oh, that's not a good idea. So uh-huh. I pulled the plug. Oh, so you were going to do I that. was going down that path and I ended up saying, all right, let me regroup here and learn a little bit more about this industry. So I joined a wirehouse and then got recruited to an independent BD. But it really is interesting because I really found that I enjoyed supporting advisors from the get-go. And I think that's, you know, I've had stints of working with clients, but really that supportive advisors is really what clicked for me from the, from the beginning. Yeah. And, and I think that the one thing I saw in your career was exactly what you just said was you always, you know, home offices get a bad name sometimes because they're not in the field, but I've worked with a lot of home office executives like yourself that understood what the field did. And what I was attracted to about you early on was what you just said is that you worked with advisors, but for advisors. And you've had a lot of different roles coming up to today. I want to understand that because I think that you can give a different perspective to our listeners that 
lot of financial advisors listening, a lot of entrepreneurs, and you know, we were able to leverage a lot of things that you were building in your in your all your different roles that you've had. So why don't you take us through the journey? Yeah, sure. So you know, when I really think about the fundamental of what I like to do and over the course of my career have become good at is finding the win-win. I think sometimes when you think about whether it's sitting in the home office or sitting in the field, it's easy to find the contradiction or they want us to do this or why aren't they doing that? You know, I've been part of so many of that conversations, always having kind of one foot in each. And to me, there's always the where's the win-win between what the company is trying to accomplish, what the advisors are trying to accomplish, and most importantly, what's in it for the client. And so I just feel like that's enabled me, my uh, affinity for advisors, my appreciation for what they do, my ability to build relationships with them and get to understand what makes them tick and then be able to, you know, find ways that that intersects with what's good for, you know, the company or aligns to the strategy or whatever it is. So that's, you know, as, as you know, I came into MetLife at a time where our CEO was, you know, focused on how do we get into the wealth management business. So that was opportune time. And so again, I think that ability to come in and connect with those advisors that were playing in that space and see what the obstacles were and then be able to influence and and work within the, you know, confines of the kind of corporate space to be able to make progress. And, and I think that's what, you know, over time you build that credibility, right? It's like, okay, I'm listening to you. I'm an advocate, but it's also got to be balanced. As you know, it can't just be, you know, give everybody everything they want, but it's about back to finding that win-win. Yeah. And, and I think one of the points you made there for the listeners on that are newer to the industry, if you always think about the end user, the client first, you'll make way better decisions and you'll think very differently about the business. And I think the, uh, you know, I always have a saying that everyone has to leave the table a little happy and a little sad. And when you say juggling that, that's a hard thing that you've been able, you did for a long time. So what were some of the other roles you had besides you, you helped launch wealth management? I know at some point you went into teaming, you did something in some stuff in succession planning. Yeah. And they really, you know, fortunately, that was a great time to, um, you know, be in that space, a great company, a lot of great things going on, as you know. And so, you know, the success of that and the momentum of that really, I think, you know, at all points in my career, I think every one of my opportunities came out of these inflection points of change, you know, sometimes where there was tons of opportunity, other times where there was, you know, things happening, maybe that weren't as fun. But I think in this case, it was a lot of success. And now we had advisors who were building these bigger businesses. They didn't have any uh, business acumen or practice management expertise. And that became a big, um, you know, risk if you will, but also again, a lot of upside in that. So that really had me again, get more of that affinity. It was like, I was moving from, oh, I was, you know, wealth management, portfolio management, the numbers, the spreadsheets, then getting into, wow, holistic planning. But then it really got to, man, if we can help advisors build better businesses, then what's the impact of that to the end client, to those advisors, to their staff, to the company? And I think it's really interesting. I think the word entrepreneur gets thrown around a lot. And there's a lot of financial advisors that are entrepreneurial, but I think that if they can make this shift from being a financial advisor to running a business, 
is how their clients benefit and they benefit dramatically. And I think you did a good job of putting some of that stuff in there. So if you're sitting here now looking backwards, what are three or four of the main things that a financial advisor would, you would want to see them do? And maybe it's different today because you have a different perspective than you did, you know, 15 years ago. But what are some of those things that they would have to do to, to, to take it to the next level? Yeah, I think it, it really gets down to that fundamental recognizing and creating time and space to work on the business as well as in the business. And, you know, and I see this when leading teams or, you know, anywhere in anyone's career progression, it's kind of the adage, what got you here won't get you there. And so, you know, early on, what separates advisors tends to be, you know, their sales skills, their portfolio management, their whatever that may be, that is their expertise in their craft. Um, but then there becomes, I know you use the term a lot, that ceiling of complexity, that inflection point in their practice where they just can't be the, you know, do it all. And so, you know, I remember early on doing some panels and practice management interviews and things like that. And the, the thing that really kept resonating when you'd ask, oh, what would you do over again? It's invest in, in bringing other people into your practice earlier. Always. No one's ever said, oh, man, I hired that person too early. Right. Have you ever heard her too late? For sure. Right. So really thinking about, again, stepping out. It's also an element of self-awareness, you know, and I think that's what I love about Barnum, where you've given advisors that ability to, you know, build an incredible enterprise or leverage experts within the organization. Right. Because so number one is a little bit of that self-awareness and then putting the time and energy to say, all right, how do I build this business? Where do I want it to go? And let me make sure I'm surrounding myself with the right resources and support to build something because otherwise it's just going to come in on you. And I think honestly, just to take it back, I think as I reflect back on it, what, where my father was in his, he was just selling stuff, right? And, 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 and a hamster, hamster wheel. wheel forever, the pressure of that with more and more clients. And listen, honestly, that came home. And, and I think that, you know, really drives me to where, you know, if advisors can build the right business around them and marry that with their craft, the benefits to that to everyone is, is just, you know, incredible. Well, there's two points, right? Like your dad maybe didn't have coaching and know what to do. So you as an outsider looking in, sometimes you learn from people that are close to you or mentors or people you work with things to do and things not to do. Right. So that was a big one. But to your point earlier, on the infrastructure as a team or as a business, I always say that you can't get crushed by the weight of your own business. So if you don't bring those people on, you know, early and at the right time, I think that's a huge challenge. And then you get crushed by your own success. You know, it's funny you use the working in the business versus on the business. And I literally 30 minutes ago, I was on the phone with someone that I'm coaching and uh, we have a call in uh, seven days from now. And he said, what should I be prepared with? And I said, well, you have to focus on having a great finish, but we're going to cheat now. We're going to spend the next 90 days getting as many things in place for 24 that we can grow by 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever percentage you want to. And I said, "There's a we're going to be doing a combo in these 90 days. We're going to work in it and on it. And he goes, oh, that's great. And I'm like, that's something that you try to teach. But if you don't take that step back, which, 
you had a major advantage because you're seeing lots of practices and you're able to give that advice to them. Yeah. And, and I think it really does start with creating the structure to work on the business because absent the structure, it, the, the, in the business will eat that all day, every day. But, so but go deeper on what do you mean by yeah, the structure? So, so I think if I think about even for myself, right. Of like, okay, what are things that I need to do that are more strategic in nature, longer term, I need to fundamentally put time aside to work on those things. Right. So that's number one, like, okay, do you, if you are working in a team, do you have a weekly meeting where you're meeting with and a structured agenda where people are prepared? Do you have, you know, a monthly business review? Do you have a quarterly offsite? Do you have an annual planning meeting? You know, things like that, where now you set up the year, you set up your calendar, you put the right resources, hence this, you know, advisor you're coaching reached out, I'm sure, and, you know, asked or got some support, some help. So surrounding yourself with the right people, putting the right structure in place, now you just have to show up and do what you do. Um, and you know, and obviously you have to prioritize it if, and I've done that before where advisors say, oh yeah, I want to grow. Can you help me? Sure. Put time in the calendar. Uh, can't meet this week, have a client appointment, right? I mean, all of those things um, get very easy to get in the way. So it's, you know, making the commitment, prioritize, putting the time on your calendar and then, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people. There's plenty of, you know, you don't have to have the burden of doing it all yourself, as you know. Yeah. For all the listeners now, we're probably, if you're driving and listening or you're on the treadmill or something, we're about 15 minutes in, go rewind that. He gave like five things that you could do automatically in your practice from the meeting structure and the accountability and being prepared and all those things. If you do those things, you will probably be better than 90% of the advisors out there. So stop and go back, rewind that and write it down. If, uh, if you're not sitting there where you can write this down now. So thank you for that, Dan. Let's switch gears a little bit. So you're doing all this work with advisors and you're trying to help them to do better, build bigger businesses and help the end users. Was there obstacles that you hit along the way that, you know, you can tell them stuff that they just didn't execute or was there things that you had to do differently to coach them to get them to understand what was next for them? Yeah, I think um, really that coaching skill, you know, uh, going from, again, being even my, my own journey, right? Being a, a subject matter expert that people went to around investments or things like that to even then being able to manage people. But, but to me, what really unlocked my ability to have an impact came with developing coaching skills and really helping, um, you know, advisors get underneath their why. And again, I think that was different than a lot of people were differentiated me than others that would come in from the home office was, all about what the company wanted them to do versus getting to understand what they wanted to do. You know, whenever we would work with an advisor or team, uh, it'd start with what's your vision? What do you want out of this, right? Not everybody wants the same thing out of their practice. Not everybody wants the same thing for their clients. So if you can help, you know, develop a compelling vision for people, now when it gets hard, now when, you know, oh man, I got all this stuff to do, you know, there's the motivation, inspiration to really stay after the the grind that is building a business over many, many years is, you know, you know more than anyone. Yeah. And I think that I think that's great because if you can see the vision 
and you know it's there. And 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 I could just think of myself, my vision for my first five years is obviously different than my 30th year. But you keep moving that needle if you have something that's clear and something to go for. And and obviously every day, you know, I always try to teach never get too high and never get too low because each day you could have three wins in the morning and four losses in the afternoon and you got to keep battling back. And, you know, I think that uh, I, I heard this the other day, but I said it, you know, as a baseball player, you know, you fail more than you succeed and uh, you still got to go back in the field and play and maybe get up again at another inning. So I think that's important that uh, you take those things into business. So really great stuff, Dan. When you think of your personal journey, working with advisors and helping them build practices. Is there a point when you feel like this is like, I'm here and this is what I love and I've taken all these skills and I've applied them. Where is that? Well, I think for me, you know, and again, as you know, making this move to Barnum in the last year, you know, was more, I've changed companies before I've changed jobs plenty of times, but this was a real different experience. And I think one that, you know, honestly, I think kind of the universe presented to me based on, you know, where I was in my life and my career and what I was putting out in the universe in terms of, you know, really just being able to, as you, as you, you know, know and describe, like having it as much of an impact as possible. And I think, you know, that gets harder and harder and you're, you are further away as you're sitting in, you know, kind of the corporate space. So to get more hands-on has just been, um, you know, such a delight, but I think it really is now at a point where I know what I'm good at. I can put that to use in the right ways. And I can really, I think all of those experiences really help me to, you know, transfer some of that knowledge experience, not just to advisors, but to all those I work with. And, you know, that's really exciting here, especially given, you know, the culture at Barnum, the growth mindset that's just instilled. I mean, I just find it to be such fertile ground to have an impact again, not just at advisors, but on the lives of the people around me. Well, and I think, and thank you for saying that. And I think, you know, what's interesting is if you look at our world today, it's getting more and more specialized. And for someone like you to be able to reflect on a 20 plus year career, take all those skills that you've gained and be able to use them in a more specialized role and impact more people. That's kind of why we do this. And, and, you know, I think it's interesting. I, I was really glad what you said earlier, because you offer the removed when you're in the home office, but you're still thinking about the end user, meaning the client. And now you have a bigger impact on that. And I think that makes it really more fun and and, and more impactful for you to do that in your career. Yeah. And I, I do think too, there's the entrepreneurial culture and spirit. You know, I'm pretty passionate about this industry and I'm also get excited about where it's going and, you know, different strategies and things like that. And I think the ability for us here at Barnum, and again, when you talk about bringing my experiences and skills, it's like, okay, where can I have that the most impact? Well, certainly, you know, this being more entrepreneurial, but it's also alignment to the vision and how you see things and where advisors are heading and this ability to really you know, be holistic with clients, bring all these different specializations and, and, you know, talent to the table to serve clients in a way that I think is inevitable for all advisors, you know, and I think there's a lot of advisors that get complacent with, 
whatever it is they do day in and day out. And they're not really dialed into how the client's needs and demands are changing over time. And I think that's one that's, um, to me, exciting. It's like, I enjoy the grind. I don't see any time of, I'm not looking to like kick back. I like grinding it out on hard stuff. And, and to me, this setting this firm up for the next level and the future and being ahead of work, staying ahead of where everybody else is. Uh, that's to me what gets me fired up and, and has me excited about this opportunity. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's really amazing. And you took me right where I was going next. I was going to go to the industry. So what do you see the industry going and what do you think, you know, if I'm a new advisor coming in today or I'm a veteran, what's, what am I looking ahead at? Well, I think, again, fundamentally starting with the client, right? And I think about when I first came in, you know, around the same time as you, it's, it was all about selling things, you know, even think about the stockbroker world, like you had to go to someone just to buy something and this kind of financial planning coming into, you know, the mainstream. And, but, but really to me, it's all about clients wanting education, support, collaboration. I mean, even throughout kind of this term life coach, like, you know, that's what I've really experienced both in this industry, but even as a client, it's not just all about numbers and spreadsheets, behavioral, emotional, all of those things. So to me, the EQ of the advisor is becoming more and more prominent, uh, even surpassing the IQ of the advisor, right? Competence will always be crucial. Um, but I do think, you know, fundamentally, you're going to have two things. One is the demands and needs of the client in terms of, you know, that emotional connection and trust. And number two, their expectations in terms of service and experience, right? Which has technology become more and more and more prominent in an advisor practice. You've got to be able to deliver good experiences. So to me, those are the two things that are going to drive everything. And I think advisors that set themselves up again with um, a planning approach, with getting to understand the clients better, with being able to either directly as part of their practice or as, you know, resources they can marshal to solve as many needs, if not all needs possible. Um, those are the people that are going to come out on top. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's interesting. I want to dig in a little on technology. I, you know, I always say you have to be digitally enabled advisor assisted because I don't think all clients, maybe four or 5% of our industry will be able to buy, you know, online or through some distribution channel that's not face-to-face or digitally enabled advisor assisted. But there's a big word, there's a buzzword that goes around forever when you think of technology at scale. And how have you seen that impacting some of the stuff you're doing and the coaching that you're doing? And, you know, what have you seen through the years with that? Yeah, I love, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons and and value I can bring to Barnum of appreciating the culture maintaining the entrepreneurial spirit, the, you know, speed to execution, but also bringing scale given, you know, how much this business is growing, given the vision we have for the business. And so to me, scale is critical in any business, but it's also the balance of scale playing the wrong role and therefore, you know, minimizing whatever that may be, client experience, culture, right? It can certainly come in way too much on the other side. So I think of advisors thinking about scaling your practice, one of the things fundamentally I know you subscribe to is kind of the the concept of unique ability. So it goes back to that self-awareness and the more you can have people playing in their unique ability and doing that as often as possible, 
that in itself is a, an element of scale, right? It's meaning surrounding yourself with people that complement your skill sets. Number two, operating a business, whether you're one advisor, a team of 10, a larger firm, whatever it is, you have to have repeatable processes. And the more that those are automated and digitally enabled, um, which also allows you to leverage data to make improvements and make decisions and make investments. Um, again, to me, now you're, you're getting into that, you know, top one percentile, right. Versus just the advisor who comes in and manages money and, you know, does that pretty good. Yeah. So to me, that's the definition of scale at an advisor level for sure. Well, and I think that, you know, it's a lot of talk out there in the industry, but the advisors have to take the time to gain those skill sets, to embrace the technology and then build on it and go. Scale is a big buzzword and it's been for a while, but there's one that, you know, is much newer. I love when you talk about data, right? But I think that, how do you think advise, I, I, I like to use the word curious. And I think if advisors stay really curious and if they don't, then they're not digging deeper, right? And data helps you do that. You know, you talked about, you know, their emotional IQ, but that word curious, do you see advisors staying that way? Or do you see advisors just like, ah, oh, you know, I got to just drive through this. So talk about that. Yeah, it's, again, it's like if you were to actually, now that I think about it, if you could put together like, you know, this profile of what really separates, right? And I think to me, the, the opposite of curious is complacent. Fair. And I see advisors that, that, you know, they just live for complacency, right? I mean, it's, you know, and I guess it also does go back to starting with self-awareness and vision because I show up with many advisors and they're not looking to change much and they're not looking to work harder, right? But, but back to the title here, right? Small steps, big, if you can back to coaching too, like, Hey, what if we can tweak this and give you a little bit more time in your day? What if we could do this? So that's part of it too. I feel like coaching can help advisors be curious because many of them are either, you know, wired in terms of their MO or they're kind of just tired at change that's been imposed on them. I think we have to remember that too. We've all, we've been subject to that many times and Oh, the home office has the new tool. Your broker dealer is requiring this. And I think there's a lot of change fatigue, which can squash the curiosity. Yeah. Uh, and to me, that's where coaching can really unlock it and saying, okay, let's be curious about something that's important to you or that can help you get what you want. And, and I think that's the you know space for us to go. Yeah. And it's interesting, as, as you said the word, I like that uh, curious versus complacent, but it made me start thinking, and you gave that example of the person that doesn't Right, do the next thing and they're just complacent is I wonder if that could have been avoided if someone was coaching them and they were building the right infrastructure and they weren't getting crushed by the way back to your dad, right? Could he have been off that hamster wheel if someone showed him? I don't know, like, I didn't know your dad, but if your dad, if I knew your dad said my goal's here, you know, way up here and I got here. And then he never thought he can get there. But maybe if someone would have spurred that up, would he have gone there? No question. I think, again, it goes back to this natural path of the advisor's career where, you know, the people that tend to show up in their world are the subject matter experts based on their specific craft, not people to show up to help them build a business. 
right? I mean, again, to me, that's where it happens is all of a sudden they wake up and go, oh man, as you say, the weight of what I've built here is crushing me. And I've got, you know, only a few paths here to take versus setting it up up front, right? Hey, invest, don't spend all the money, invest some money and be able to hire a staff or share a staff person. And, you know, here's the steps you can take no different than marketing or a new marketing strategy or implementing this product or cross-sell. To me, that's one of those things that's frankly been very absent in the industry to help advisors much earlier figure out how and what kind of business, you know, what kind of business and, and how to build it. And so to me, that's where, yeah, coaching, it doesn't, and again, go back to the old, you know, management was telling advisors how to sell more, right? And to me, that's what changes back to this industry evolution. Um, you know, the more we as coaches can help advisors unlock the value and help them get excited about being more curious, figuring out different ways to do things, the client's going to win in that too. Yeah. And I, I, I love that. And I think that, uh, you know, when the client wins, it's the whole game of what you're doing. So let's fast forward to today. So as I said, in your opening, you're the, uh, chief revenue officer here. It's, um, you have, you know, 25 people on your team that are back to what you said in their unique ability, helping FAs and the end users to be efficient using data, using their sales skills and their product knowledge. What's, what's next for you? And I, if, if I bring you back in, you know, 36 months from now, what are you going to tell me happened? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the fundamental is I love working with this team. It's kind of like, you know, my passion and skill of working with advisors, building teams, all the same principles hold true. So I am just, you know, loving that. And I'm seeing the, again, the, the, the multiplier on the impact I'm having here versus prior world is, is so reinforcing for me. Uh, but then I think it goes beyond that. And I, I really love the strategic thinking aspect of this business. It's always been, you know, part of my career being on the forefront of change and where are those opportunities and being able to sit around the table. But again, to be here and be able to bring that to the forefront much quicker, much more receptivity and, and transparent and challenging thinking, but then execute faster. So I'm excited now that I've got kind of this year under my belt of, you know, almost look at this as like a financial planning process. Like, okay, I got the discovery, feel pretty good knowing where I am, where things are going, where I can add value. And to me now it's, all right, what big things can we bring to the table and continue to innovate at Barnum on this fertile ground that just, again, changes the industry, puts us further and further ahead of the competition. I think honestly, the hard part for me is trying to figure out how to narrow down the focus. I mean, my wheels are turning, man. I feel like I'm in this place. I just see opportunity all over the place. It's how do we harness that and, and really get on the, you know, the road. And, and I do think there's elements of, you know, taking this understanding the industry and how do we solve industry problems in a bigger way? Yeah. And give back to them. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, I'll give you a tip. The way you're going to solve this is small steps equals Love big it. wins. Love it. Stack them, baby. <laughs> That's Stack it. Them. Stack them up. And so listen, Dan, thank you so much for being on the show today. I picked up like five things here. If you're listening, go back and like re-listen because there's a lot of nuggets there that uh, you gave us. It's always been a pleasure to work with you, but now work with you day to day. It, it, it's such a joy for me. And just watching you grow has been really 
really fun. So thank you. Yeah, same here. It's a pleasure. I just, uh, as you always say, we're just getting started. And I think at this stage of my career, I love the fact that I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm being challenged every day and um, surrounded by just amazing people with just so much opportunity. It's just, it's incredible. So thank Thank you. you. Well, small steps, big wins. If you love the show today, make sure you share it with some friends and give us some reviews on, uh, on Apple or Spotify, wherever you're listening to it or YouTube. And uh, Dan, I appreciate you being on the show again. Thank you. Thanks everybody. Thank you for listening to Small Steps, Big Wins. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you you should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor. Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC. Member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484, telephone number 203-513-6000.